Hello from Cybrary, and welcome to the show. If you've been enjoying the Cybrary podcast or 401 Access Denied, then make sure to like, follow, and subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. We'd love to hear from you. Join the discussion by leaving us a comment or review on your platform of choice or emailing us at podcast at cybrary.it. From all of us at Cybrary, thank you and enjoy the show. The Okta security breach has gained considerable attention since the company's public disclosure of the attack on March 22, 2022. As debates continue on the timeliness and effectiveness of the organization's response, we at Cybrary want to elevate the discourse on how to foster smart, sustainable, and empathetic approaches to cybersecurity risk management. On this episode of the Cybrary Podcast, listen to the thoughtful advice of Cybrary CEO Kevin Haynes and Senior Director of Content Will Carlson as they discuss how all organizational stakeholders can align on incident response strategies. Hello, and thank you for joining the Cybrary Podcast. I'm Will Carlson, Senior Director of Content here at Cybrary, and I have the distinct privilege to be joined today with Cyberary CEO, Kevin Haynes. Kevin, thanks for taking the time to join us today. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for hosting me and uh, can't wait to have this conversation. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting one. I- I'm sure the audience has been following some of the developing events around the security incident that Okta is responding to right now. Uh, and some of what I want to talk to about that is, you know, what are the facts around that event as we know them today as it's continuing to, to evolve and we're continuing to learn more? But I think maybe more, more importantly and more interesting to me in this particular discussion is, what does that really look like on the inside of an organization that could be going through something like that? And the, you know, the propensity that cybersecurity professionals outside those organizations have to kind of point fingers and assign blame and how... You know, from your experience, how that's easy to do and, you know, what we might be able to do as an industry that's more helpful and constructive than that. Um, so just kind of paint a picture and, and give us some context as to what's really going on in an organization like Octa. Yeah, well, first of all, um, it's, it's, it's not easy. It's a, you know, it's, it's, it's a pretty terrible um, thing. And um, you're right. You know, I always think about um, or would encourage um professionals to be humble um and and just think about you know um it 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 very it very easily could be you and your organization um and it it might actually end up being you and your organization and um so just you know being being a quite humble professional is what i would encourage in this and and in fact um you know in, in in my organizations i always you know, and t- tell the, the team not to not to go out and comment on that kind of thing. Um, it, there's just no, I don't see any really benefit from um, that. So it, it's surprising to me, you know, uh, when I see people doing this, and you know, especially when they're representing their organization in a platform, in a platform, you know, like like LinkedIn, for example. Um, uh, you know, it's just it's surprising to me that organizations, you know, sort of um, don't don't find that you know problematic. Um, so, so for, for me, you know, I, I would say, um, it's extremely chaotic and you know, what you know, in terms of the facts or the observable facts, um, are really, it's a small finite, you know, uh, set and what you need to know and what you want to know is a pretty huge list. Right. And, um, 
everybody starts beating down the door uh, to that very long list of things that you don't know. Um, and, you know, there's a whole, there's a whole lot of emotion and, you know, for, for the people that are involved in that, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a hard thing to go through. So I, I always, you know, think about like having, you know, having a good dose of empathy for, for what that is going to feel like. And, you know, I think there's this, um, uh, you know, desire in, in, in our, in our industry, which is, which is a good one, which is, okay, how do we learn from these things? Mm-hmm. How, how do we, you know, how do we make sure that, you know, if, if there were mistakes or, or things that, that we, you know, could, could have done that those things come to light or how do we make a, a, you know, a continue, a continuous improvement in how we, you know, handle notifications or how we handle, um, you know, these things, whether it be internally or externally or both, um, that, that there's a time and place for that. Right. And, you know, it may not be right when sort of the, you know, everybody's in the thick of it, trying yeah. to get accurate information. Yeah, that's an interesting one to me, right? So I know when when the kind of the early story broke before Okta had actually said anything publicly, um, people immediately started, you know, shame on Okta, how dare you? But it's interesting to look at the facts now as they're starting to develop and we know more. I, I don't think this is turning out to have gone how very many people may have speculated. So, right, so I, I guess just for some of the cast of characters, for those that may not have kept up um, completely, there's a couple of interesting names here that I'll throw out, but Sykes is a customer service firm that was purchased by a company called Cytel. And Sykes was a customer service firm engaged by Okta. Okta's using this, this company for customer service. They get acquired by somebody else. Why is any of that relevant? Well, it, we'll go through the facts here real quick. Um, so on January 16th of this year, Lapsa's first gained access, not to Okta, but to Sykes, a legacy network on in Sykes organization um, via a VPN vulnerability. So these ever ubiquitous VPN problems, remote access, it seems like there's constantly CVEs floating around around VPNs of all various flavors. But January 16th, it's not even, it doesn't have anything to do with Okta yet. On January 21st, uh, Lapsus finds a file in their network called, of all things, DOM admins dash LastPass. XLSX. <laughs> so, you know, a simple, you know, I've talked about this, you know, if you're in an environment and you're trying to move laterally or you're looking for local credentials on a machine, what are you going to look for? Well, you look for PDFs, you look for Excel files, you look for anything. And man, <clears> I, I bet they, it, th- those adversaries probably knew they hit the the mother load when they found that file, you think? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, my, my guess is they had other ways to get it too, but yeah, that would be a, that'd be a, a good day for them. Yeah, no doubt. And then so they quickly pivot from there and then they compromised Cytel's or Sykes Azure environment and created a tenant administrator account, which is, you know, a domain or enterprise admin on steroids across the cloud environment, across on-prem in a lot of cases. It gave them the keys to the kingdom. But we still haven't come back around to Okta just yet. So, and the news hasn't even really broken. On March 17th, Mandiant, issues a report because they're engaged by Sykes and Cytel mm. to look into the event. Um, and at that point, they realized that Okta might be involved, Mandiant did. So they they rendered that report and they provided it off to Okta as well. Things are quiet until March 22nd, 
when Lapsus starts releasing screenshots of Okta's internal networks. And that's when the finger pointing really starts. And then come March 28th, Okta releases a blog post saying that you know, 366 of their enterprise customers are about 2.5% of all of their clientele were impacted. And then now we're here kind of towards, you know, we'll still continue to learn, but as of the week of March 21st, uh, UK police have arrested seven uh, people connected with this aged between 16 and 21. So I think there's some really interesting facts here, but one of the ones I think I want to start with is, is people are pointing fingers early, early in this process is it didn't start with Okta. It right. started with a third-party provider that they were doing business with that was acquired by somebody else. So I, I just wonder, you know, have you seen those changing of hands and that chain of command and that third-party risk um, in the incidents that you've been a part of figure high? And do you expect that that's going to continue to grow? Or what's yeah. the trend on third-party risk? Yeah, yeah. I, I think it, it's, you know, it's part of why it takes some time, right, to, to figure out the answers to the questions that everybody wants to know. Um, because it's not, that's not simple, right, to, uh, to, to unwind that. Um, you know, I think what you say, like this idea, you know, of whether you're inside the company or outside the company, you're kind of looking at what's above the water, you know, like the ice, the piece of iceberg that's sticking out above mm -hmm. the water. And and you think that's it, like that's that's the iceberg, you know, um, what you don't realize is how much, you know, how much of that uh, iceberg is below the surface that you can't see. Um, and it's oftentimes where all the volume is, right? It, it's, 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 the, it's the big part. Um, and I think, you know, imagine that's the situation internally too, right? Um, I could tell you for like the first, the first report is always, you know, is always wrong. You know, the first battle report is always wrong. And you just have to sort of assume that um, and, and just know that, that, that you're going to be in a process of discovery um, that could take some time. But, um, yeah, I, I think of it that way. And, um, you know, as organizations, you know, think about that process and as, as others are, are looking at that, <clears throat> I think you, I think it would be fair to assume and probably probably a good practice to assume you, you don't you don't know most of the story right and, and so to kind of make assumptions um you know about it is, you're probably going to end up being incorrect right um and you know i mean look i i think as as a as an industry again i think there's a time and a place to um question everything right um and look at the facts and it's hard not to, you know, as you follow a story like this, it's hard not to spec, you know, to, to say, well, I wonder what happened and maybe, maybe this or maybe that. And, but there's a difference between, I think, your, your, yourself sort of wondering those things um, and, and going out and kind of attacking, you know, almost in the attack uh, of an organization for something which you don't have an understanding. Yeah, I know you, you said something before um, that, that resonated really well with me in maybe a little bit of a different context, but <laughs> the enemy's not in the room, right? So, right. I mean, as cybersecurity professionals, we if we're bickering and arguing with each other, I, I think we're probably focused in the wrong spot, right? Yeah. Now, I will say, I will say, Will, you, you know, in my experience, um, the preponderance of security professionals, the majority of security professionals are not doing, they are not out there, you know, trying to, trying to, you know, beat up somebody about, you know, in, in public about this kind of thing. Um, 
and they, you know, the ones that have been through it and have experience are typically not the ones, not the ones doing this. So a lot of times you can kind of look at the threads um, and draw your own conclusions about, you know, uh, the, the people that are sort of are, are doing that. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I wonder, um, so kind of rolling back here more generally, um, what does it look like in an organization when, you know, you get this credible alert that has been analyzed and evaluated, and it looks like there's more to it than just a normal alert that a, a, an analyst can say, yeah, that's not really a problem. Yeah. So what, what is that kind of chain of events on the inside of an organization from, uh-oh, I think we've got something, you know, on through to, I guess, all the way down at the end of resuming normal operations kind of look like? What's a, a day in the life of an incident commander really look like? Yeah. Well, I think too, you know, it kind of depends on, on where the organization learns about or hears about, um, the problem. Um, and, 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 you know, I, I think it, I think it would be accurate to say many times an organization is not finding out from their own, you know, systems and their own analyst, um, and, and kind of following that progression. A lot of times they're finding out because someone else told them, and that could be law enforcement, it, you know, oftentimes it is law enforcement or it could be another another organization, um, you know, that's that's investigating something. And sort of there's a there's a you know, there's a tail that, that, that leads there. Um, it could be a security provider, you know, that they're that they're you know, working with. Um, so I, I think a lot of times it, it, you're finding out something from somebody else. Mm-hmm. And then you know, then it becomes like, OK, well, who is this? <laughs> who is this that's telling me this? Um, and, uh, what is this claim and what, what is the validity of this claim? And, you know, where all is this, you know, where where is this known and how do I respond to this? And so, um, it kind of depends, I'd say, what like how that takes shape, but, um, in the, in the example you provided where, all right, we're, we're, you know, we have eyes, you know, we have eyes and, um, you know, in our network and we're able to detect things and we, we see something, um, that, rises to the level of, okay, I, I think we have a problem here. That um, what I would always encourage, again, you know, um, it's understanding what uh, sort of the, the context, because, mm-hmm. you know, I would say it would be a, you know, is that, is that something that's, you know, impacting, you know, a non-critical system, um, you know, or something that's in maybe a dev environment or, you know, that's a little different than if it's like my Oracle financials, um, for example. So kind of like the context really matters. So oftentimes that's going to just take some time um, because a lot of times what you'll get is an IP or you know, a, a machine. And then you got to like, OK, let me figure what is this? You know, what is this? What is the function of this thing? Um, and you have to sort of start peeling that back. And you're oftentimes uh, trying to ask a lot of questions really, really at the same time. Like, OK, how, how did this happen? And what else has happened back to, okay, I, I can see that I can see the ice above the water, but knowing that there's probably a giant or could be a, a, you know, a big block of ice underneath the water, like how do I sort of bring visibility to the whole extent of what, what we're dealing with and get to operational sort of, you know, ground truth. Um, mm-hmm. And I would just, I would say there's a lot of, there's going to be a lot of iteration and a lot of things that are, that are, um, maybe concerns that don't don't prove out to be you know, concerns, and maybe things that you didn't you know didn't think of as a concern or didn't even think about that that are concerns. And so you're 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 trying to think about 
all right, how do I, how do I organize? And by the way, everybody has a day job, you know? Um, and in certain cases you're thinking about, Oh, who do I tell? Like, who do I need to tell? And you know, organizations that practice this and, and, and do tabletops and, and, and other kinds of, um, uh, you know, scenario based, mm-hmm. um, uh, approaches to these things where they, they, they bring in people, um, you know, from the various, you know, areas of the business to, to, to run a scenario like this in, in, in a safe way, they're, they're, they're better because like, I will tell you, like some of the most common questions are, who do I call? Like who, who's, who's, in, who's involved in that part of the business where there's this issue? Like, um, or it could be, well, gosh, I wonder if, um, we need to tell our customers about this. Like what, what are we supposed to do or what do we need to do or obligated to do? Or how do we tell so-and-so, you know, the, the CEO, he's not going to take this well, you know, who should tell him? Um, well, maybe he's out of town or she's out of town. Um, do we, do we, do we, what's the protocol? You know, do we call, call, you know, uh, in the middle of the night? Um, how, how do we do all this? So does legal need to get involved? So just knowing like, okay, who's who in the zoo and having all their contact numbers hopefully cell phones and 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 this is a practice rehearsed thing would be would be good but i say a lot of times that's not the case so you're you're literally dealing with okay who's who in this organization that needs to be involved in this or informed about this and how do we do this in a way that um protects the integrity of the situation because it's probably still ongoing um and what i mean by that is kind of operational opsec so kind of depending on what you're dealing with it could be it could be something where you need to worry about um, who and how you communicate with so you know a lot of times a lot of times you may need to think about all right mm. is this something that i can kind of organize and send emails about about what's going on because because maybe maybe the threat actor is sort of you know reading emails In your email, um, yeah. and you know i've worked cases where the threat actor was you know not only um, reading emails but they were looking at calendar invites um, and joining calls about, about the investigation, Ugh. um, you know, and so, sort of listening in. So, I mean, um, you need to think about all those things. And, um, I would say from, you know, what I would try to encourage, uh, people to do, which, which I think allows you to kind of, it, it allows you a way to kind of move forward when, when you don't have all the facts, because one of the things that you, you kind of happens sometimes is everybody wants the facts. You want to be accurate and you want to get the full picture that can take some time. And so you can't, you know, if you, if you can't wait until you have all that, or it's going to feel like, well, you're, you're not, you're not doing your job or, Hey, this took way too long or this, you know, company organization or person should have been much faster or much more responsive. And, And so I think one of the way to handle that is to think about a logical separation of what what we know as of now, what it is that we really are trying to learn and and and, and, and understand, but we don't we don't know yet, right? So we're we don't know, but but it's a critical that we think it's critical that we know, and we're working to find out. Um, and then, what do we think? And then, when's the, what what are the actions in the next update? When will be the next update? And so, what I've seen in a lot of cases. Um, because, because it's chaotic and because there's a lot of people involved and there's, it's very, very fuzzy and, and it's, it's a pressure cooker. It's very easy to, 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 to lose the, to lose the separation of those things Mm -hmm. where, where facts and 
what we're you know what we don't know yet and and what we think start to enter into sort of a combined you know uh sort of you know brief <clears throat> and and you can lose a lot of you, you can you, you can you can really lose a lot of fidelity in that um or or you just you, you don't put anything on there because you, you don't want to communicate anything and that's not proven or fact yet which 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 isn't good either either way so i would just say look have a methodology um, and stick to it and be rigorous about it where, where it's okay for people to say what they think or what they, what they're speculating, but like be, be really clear that it's what you think and you're speculating, um, mm-hmm. and be clear, distinct, distinguish that from what we know is the facts now, like the observable facts now. And then what we are also be clear about what it is that, you know, the, the organization or the individual needs to know and is working to find out. And, and if you can do that, and, and then when, when is the next update, <laughs> you know, because this is going to change, it's going to be changing really fast. And if you can do that, I find it to be a pretty credible way to work with teams, both mm-hmm. outside the company and inside the company and stakeholders of all kind to kind of get on the, on a, on a same page, if you will, about those things. I find where you don't, where you're not doing that with a lot of fidelity is where, where you'll get in trouble. It seems clear to me from, you know, talking about those plans and having practice and tabletop <clears throat> exercises that it's pretty important to control as many variables in these situations as you can ahead of time so that you're not smoke testing a bunch of new processes or procedures in the heat of the moment. Um, yeah. It's hard though. It's, it's hard to do and, and, and to make it feel real. But I can tell you, like the case with Okta, you know, I, I can almost guarantee, I mean, I haven't been sitting on the inside, obviously, but just knowing and doing this uh, a bunch, I, I know that people were like, okay, what do we tell customers? Like, well, what customers? You know, and, and there, there were probably questions about like, I mean, they're always in these things like, okay, well, do we need to send you know something to all of our customers? And then there are people like, well, that would cause maybe a whole lot of problems and panic that maybe is unnecessary. So, um, and, and then, you know, you, you think about, well, what role does our marketing, who, who, who should then tell customers, right? Is this a marketing thing? Is this a legal thing? You know, and so all those things are things that hopefully to your point, as you're, as you're setting up exercise to tabletop, ask yourself, you know, create, create the situations that kind of force you into answering those questions. Okay. This is what happened. This happened. This is what we know now. All right. Who, who needs to be involved? What, what are sort of the, uh, the you know, our policies around uh, notification, for example, or obligations? Um, and then and then sort of, OK, who, who's taking lead? You know, who's talking on behalf of the company? Um, are we are we being proactive or are we saying you know, no comment? Like, how are we managing that? Like work through that and then now inject now inject a little twist. Right. Um, into the scenario. So what you, what you knew now sort of changes a little bit or maybe a lot. Okay. Now, how, now, how does that, now, how do we play that across all those roles in the, in the organization? And by the way, I would say uh, not too many, probably um, you, it's hard to do this on, on if you haven't done it ahead of time, but you should, I, I think you should uh, think about legal privilege. Um, so how do you do everything that I just said in this whole process in a way that you have, uh, you know, you have it under privilege, um, such that, because that, that can become really important later. And then the other piece is, uh, I think you should work, you should have a PR firm, you know, that, that helps you, um, in, in, in war game, these scenarios with them, like bring, bring them in and bring your, bring your lawyers in, um, 
you know, to practice things like, okay, how do we put stuff under privilege? Right. Because maybe a lot of people who don't know that protocol and they could send some stuff around that kind of, you know, breaks, breaks the privilege. So like practice that practice with your PR firm. Yeah, responsible disclosure is tough, right? I mean, I think that's another one of those areas that it's it's really easy to say, well, somebody should have said something sooner to somebody else, or they should have told us this fact earlier. Or, I mean, again, to your point, when when the iceberg is constantly evolving and developing, there's something to be said too for not disclosing too much in a way that hampers the ongoing investigation, or yeah, causes yeah. undue risk, or. I just don't think it's as straightforward as, well, you should have told us everything you thought you knew before you knew you knew it. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that that does, you know, a lot of times you have to, you have to you know, sort of do the math and it's just, a, I don't know if it is the right answer, but what is going to help, you know, what is going to help and what's going to harm. And, you know, sometimes just dropping everything that you speculate you know, or, or, or things that you don't know, but they potentially could happen. They could be something that's not necessarily going to help anybody. Um, so I think back to, um, what, what people need is a reliable source of information, uh, that, that they can, you know, and when I say reliable, I mean, okay, this, I'm going to, this is every, every day at four o'clock or whatever, you know, every day at two o'clock or twice a day at these times, there's going to be information that comes out. Um, it's going to tell me what, you know, the known facts are what the observable facts are and that, that that will change like every day every day or every half day or whatever you're doing likely the, the facts you know there may be new new facts introduced there could be even some facts that you thought were facts in you know, prior where you have to kind of go back and say well it's a little more complicated or a little more nuanced than that um so so uh and, and I think it is okay to say look here's what we don't know yet but and it, I think it's somewhat at least for me, it's always comforting to know, all right, because that's probably a question I have, which is, you know, whatever this, and it, at least this organization knows that and they're looking to get it and they can give me a status update on, okay, we need to know X or we think we, it's important to know X. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and we're, you know, we're, we're, we're working on that, you know? Um, and then again, it's okay. I don't mind an organization or you know, a group telling me, Hey, here's what we think. Like, this is what we're you know, sort of speculating, but just be clear that that's that what you're doing there. Yeah, that's great. I wonder, you know, maybe to take a little bit of a different uh, approach to this for, you know, kind of what's going on inside an organization. So whether they have a, a an IR team that they brought in from the outside or whether they've got their own team that are responding, in your experience, in the midst of a, a live and active and a potentially ongoing event like, like Okta may be going through right now, what does that look like for a cybersecurity professional in the seat? Well, long days and nights, probably. Um, and that, you know, they'll, they'll probably find themselves doing, um, a little bit of everything, you know, because, you know, I mean, uh, when you start to really put the systems to the test and it's like, okay, go get me all the logs, you know, go get me every, all the logs for the last, whatever. And to, to deliver on that, you know, sometimes it's easier said than done. Um, I, that's just one example, but it's all those little things that, that, that shouldn't be hard that when it's like under, under pressure and everybody's, you know, taxed, um, getting those things done is hard. So I, I think one of the things that's really important uh, for the cybersecurity professional, one is to try to bring some order to the chaos, you know, try, try to, try to be calm to the storm. Um, one way you can do that is just by saying, okay, let's let's keep a running board somewhere of who you know who who's involved in this you know um 
And, you know, what's their phone number? I mean, I know that sounds ridiculous, but like things like that, you know, in the heat of the moment matter and making sure everybody has that. What's our mode of communication? And do we, do we feel like it's, you know, do we feel like that's a secure mode of, you know, how are we doing this? And sometimes you have to do it off, you know, out, out of band, like communications, like, okay, because I can't trust, you know, the in-band stuff for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. So, hey, here's how we're going to keep everybody informed out of band um, and just sort of managing that. So you're like, if you think about that, Will, like all the things that you've probably been trained to do or, or, or exercise are probably in band, right? And now all of a sudden you're being, you're, you're having to communicate in things that are sort of out of band. Um, so that's, that's a, an additional sort of stressor. And, you know, and so you're dealing with that. Um, you're dealing with, you're dealing in a lot of cases with people like me, you know, CEOs or whatever that, that are, that are um, really worried. You know, they, they, they may not have, they, they may not have seen this. Like they're not security professionals deal with these sorts of things, you know, a lot usually um, other executives, maybe not, maybe this is the first one that, you know, or the, you know, the first big one that they've had to deal with. And so um, they can you know, react in ways that don't help. Um, and they can ask questions, good questions that, that, that just, it's not time for those questions yet. Um, and so like, as a security professional, you're trying to, okay, how do I tell this person, you know, like, like we don't have that yet. And, and the incessant asking about it or, or bang, you know, banging the drum or, 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 you know, forcing everybody over here is going to take away, is going to take away from us ultimately getting that answer. Right. Um, so it's, um, security professionals dealing with a lot. I also, I also think that, you know, what I said earlier is, is a real thing, which is, um, it's not uncommon for lack of sleep because you get this, you get sort of the adrenaline and that'll keep mm-hmm. you for a couple of days, you know, kind of just going, 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 going. And then people start crashing. Um, and when people start crashing and everything in the, the work can't stop, it's, it gets, it gets really scary. So I think as um, anybody who's a you know, professional um, or a leader or, you know, anybody can do this. It doesn't have to be a manager or whatever. Anybody can say, Hey, time out let's let's see where we are with you know people's mental state and their physical state and and start thinking about maybe a, a being proactive around a sleep like a sleep watch um where you know who's on you, you know who's on watch um but you're also making sure people are out getting some sleep um because because it, it'll happen so fast it'll happen so fast um and you'll just see them and they'll just they'll just fall over mm. right and then and then they're gone you know for like 10 hours or something. So um, being proactive about that, I think is important. Yeah, I think it is interesting, right? So um, these are potentially sustained engagements that are massive projects that far eclipse a single person's work schedule or ability to stay up and in a seat, which I think begs a whole host of other questions and problems of, so let's say we have that framework of here's the things we know, here's the things we're speculating, here's the things we're out to find. But then there's all of this handoff and transition. I mean, some of these things can take days and days and days and still be active. We're not even yet to the point where we've locked things down and can breathe a little bit and do a little bit of, you know, maybe quieter forensic research after the fact, after the adversaries have been rooted out. Yeah. And just that, how does that work? How, how, how do you manage a sustained engagement like that and make sure the handoffs go well? Well, you, I think you, you, you alluded to something earlier, like an incident commander, you know, there's, there's incidents and then there's kind of larger incidents, like what we're talking about now, not, not every incident is going to be like this, you know, 
people sleeping on the floor and you know, um, thankfully crack, crack, yeah thankfully so um, you know I think I think uh, those that we're talking about now that, that that tend to be like that that bigger that bigger sort of incident um, you probably want to consider an incident commander right and it doesn't that the incident commander doesn't mean the most senior person in the organization by any stretch um, it probably means the most experienced you know, who's been through this sort of stuff a bunch of times and, you know, seen, can see around the corners the most and can, and, and who also is vocal and, and has, you know, can, can lead. Um, and so establishing that will help a lot because then you can start to, then you can start to, you know, basically get a, a, a you know, work streams, you know, uh, threads that need to happen. Maybe, you know, maybe we need to get, you know, all this information off the EDRs, you know, maybe we need to get uh, somebody over here working on, you know, network logs. You know, may, you know, maybe over here we need to get somebody who's plugged into our crisis comms, you know, and answering questions because, you know, questions are starting to come in from, you know, here and we need somebody plugged into that. Maybe there's somebody who's plugged into the, the you know, the, the compliance risk uh, piece of this where there's certain disclosure notifications that have to happen in a certain amount of time uh, based on their jurisdiction. So, like, <clears throat> thinking about, like, okay, how do I divide and make sure that we're taking care of the essentials? I would just say, like, if 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 going and hiring a, a you know, it sounds like Okta did a, you know the right thing. They're hiring and you know a strong incident you know firm, incident management firm, with, and I'm sure they have a very strong incident manager that helped there, commander that helped there. Like that person does this nonstop. That's all they do, and so the the reps that they're going to have and the experience that they're going to have uh, will probably vastly exceed the the internal team. Um, which maybe they do this once or twice a year, hopefully not, but you know, maybe, maybe they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just think about the, the, the person who's, who, who's going to the gym every day doing that versus the person who goes there once or twice a year. It, it's just go get that person, go get that experience and, and let, and, and when you hire them, let them, let them lead. Don't think about it as that's that company. And this is my company. Like really, really put the resources together as a team. Uh, around that, around that, that incident management team and that incident commander and let them do their job because they generally know what they're doing. Yeah. It seems very much like the comment you made earlier about bringing order to chaos. And that's just another way to do it and make sure you're managing all those handoffs well. And you've got somebody with line of sight to the end goal, who's kind of coordinating all the many parts and pieces. I mean, just to hear you talk about it, there could be Many, many more than maybe some cybersecurity professionals think, right? This this quickly balloons to be more than just an analyst looking at logs to try to figure out what systems were potentially impacted. Yeah. I mean, hopefully that hopefully that's the extent of most of them, right? And we can we can we can either say that we mitigated it, you know, or yeah, or we prevented it, hopefully. Yeah. Or or it was something we detected and we, you know, we 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 caught it in time before it was able to have, you know, the impact on the objective that it was hoping to, um, and we contained it and we deal with it. Right. I mean, that's most of it, but, um, when you're dealing with something like what you're, you know, the subject of this podcast, you know, that's, that's a different animal. Right. And, and I can tell you like, yeah, it's going to be everybody and their dog, you know, is going to be involved in that thing. Right. And, and so it, it will be very chaotic. And so you do have to have a, a, a you know, an experience, you know, lead who's setting the pace and, and taking care of the things like making sure people are, um, you know, have their, you know, you know everybody's numbers, you know, every, who the contacts are. Um, you're making sure you're, you're, you're following the right process. Maybe there's a chain of custody you need to worry about. 
um, all those things that, that someone who's going to be thinking about that because they've just done it over and over again um, versus you having to make it up as you go because it, it, you'll get it wrong. Yeah, no doubt. You, you mentioned earlier too, mm. the, the, here's the things we know, here's the things we think, and here's yeah. the things we're out to try to solve. So kind of living in that speculative space, I wonder for, for the audience and for cybersecurity professionals, are there any skills mm. or frameworks or how do you get better at that piece of it? So you got an adversary who's come in, you, you mm. know that something's happening and now I'm living in this world where I'm having to anticipate without all the facts, what they might've done, where they might've gone, what information is helpful to that person in that seat, be it a, a skill that they ought to have or mm -hmm. an internal piece of collateral that they need to have about high priority or high profile machines in the environment? It's, it's just a really interesting spot, right? So you're living in that gray area. You're playing sleuth a little bit, having yeah. to put yourself in the shoes of what the adversary could do. How do you get better at that piece? Well, I think it's exercise. You know, it's, it's the reps. Um, and I think it's being curious about. Um, it's being curious about what it is we're protecting. Cause you know, the, the theory I have is you can't protect everything all the time. Right. So pick. Right. Um, and, and so if you have to go through the exercise of picking, I mean, if you, if you subscribe to that theory that I, I said, then, then you have to sort of then say, okay, well then how do I pick or what do I pick? Um, and that would be really curious about, the whys of that, like, okay, what, what is most critical to the organization? Um, what are those threat sort of, you know, what are the threats, the things that could threaten those things? You know, what are the use cases and how could, how might they show up? So if these are the things that we really you know, need to protect, um, and these are the, the, the kinds of, you know, you could take a, a general pass at like, if these are the sort of threat groups that probably would be most interested in those kinds of things, um, then you can, then you can think about, okay, well, how might that transpire? What would that kind of look like, you know, in terms of, um, a campaign or, you know, how, how might, you know, how might they be thinking about that? Um, cause it's one, you know, it, it would be a little bit different, right. Depending on what it is that you have and what they might want and who might want it and what they would do with it. <clears throat> so I, I think that that's a start, um, just a, just a, a mapping of that and being really curious. And you can't do that alone. You need to go talk to people inside the business to understand, well, what, you know, because it could be something that you're not thinking. Maybe you're thinking, hey, it's, it's this process over here or this intellectual property we have, you know, mm -hmm. that would be. But you, if you talk to the business, they may say, no, actually, it's the access that we have into these, you know, our, our, our partners, you know, for example. You know, maybe that's a thing, you know. So, so really kind of working that across the organization, I think it needs to be collaborative with a lot of different groups to really understand what you have um, and, and who might want that and what they might you know, do with that. So that to me would be the way to, to, to you know, pr approach that and break it down into a problem that you can, you can take in chunks. Um, and then, you know, once you have that, you can start to think about, all right, well, how do we put, you know, what's the control environment around, around that? Right. Um, how do we think about you know prevention, detection, response? Um, you like your, your point about you, you know, do we know what the assets are you know and you know the applications on those assets and who owns the applications and you know all all, all those things that kind of go into a security program. Yeah, it, it seems like there's there's so much to know and, and learn and do. Um, you've mentioned a couple of times the reps and the practice. Um, in the heat of the moment seems certainly the the worst time to begin practicing those things. And then I think yeah. too, the 
having that collateral, knowing what's important, knowing how you're going to respond, knowing who you're going to tell. It's interesting too, you made the comment about communications out of band. Like so many organizations, I know their phones are all VoIP. Yeah. (laughs) They're all very much in band. And now that all of a sudden those networks may not be secure, they haven't even thought about how they're going to communicate out of band. Yeah. Or they may, they may, they may be locked up. Yeah. Like, um, it could be it, it could be a security issue or it could be just an availability issue, right? It could be either one, but, you know, how do you do that? I think those are things that, that, that teams can practice. I, I, I do think that um, just starting, you know, just starting and, and, and not trying not to overcomplicate it too much because you can always add complication. You know, you can always add the twists and turns like I was talking about earlier. Start with a basic case like, OK, um, you know, uh, we, we wake up this morning and, you know, our, our site's ddos or whatever, right? It, it's changed from what we want it to be to something else. All right, what, what do we do? Like, um, I mean, I know that's super basic, but like start with the basics and then work your way up. Okay, hey, we, you know, um, we just got a call from a reporter. Our, our CEO just got a call from a reporter that says um, some information has been leaked that we've been breached and they're going to go public with a story in 45 minutes. You know, we want to comment. I mean, those are those are the scenario. And it's like, okay, what do we do? Who do we call? Um, how do we work that? And and, ju- and then just start building that up um, and create those scenarios where it feels pretty real. And I'll, I'll tell you, like um, in organizations that I think do this well, you know, they start out. Everybody kind of knows that this is an exercise, it's a drill. But once they get good at it, sometimes you don't know it's a drill. Um, it, it feels they make it feel so very real um, and, and, you, and, and design that in to kind of, tr- to kind of really get that, those reps in that test where it's feeling like, okay. Um, we, we used to do that at sometimes at executive retreats where we were doing like a, maybe we had a, you know, a executive sort of meeting. Um, we knew we were all going to be in one place at one time. And, you know, our sizzle would walk in. He's like, and it felt very real because I've got some bad news, you know, and he would <laughs> proceed to kind of tell us something that, felt very real and he would show us like and we'd like oh my god you know and and start and then we would start trying to go through that exercise somewhere in the exercise we kind of we kind of got a hint that you know we could kind of tell you know but it felt very real as a point and we had to kind of uh, work that so i i think there's no there's no substitute for training um if you think about you know how much how much time and money do you spend on the technology um you know uh, and how much time and money do you spend on the people in the training. Uh, I, I feel like we're, we're at this point now uh, as an industry where the most risk that we can reduce for the next dollar that we spend in cybersecurity, to me, that equation says, invest in your people, invest in your people, you know, tra- you know, give them uh, the things that, that will, you know, give them the tools to do the job in, uh, you know, via training and exercises and these things that we're talking about. Yeah, you mentioned earlier, like going to the sim and trying to round up all the logs. You can have the best sim in the world, but in the in the, in the heat of an event, it's not going to round up the logs and make sense of them for you. Yeah, well, even this the base. You know, like I, I can't tell you how many times an organization that thought that would be easy and thought that like found out that they couldn't do it <laughs> for for a myriad of reasons why why it was like a problem, or they found out. Hey, you know, I thought we were actually. Uh, not rolling these logs, you know, but it, it turns out like that was our policy, but guess what? Their logs are rolling. 
and, we're, and we only have seven days or whatever. And we're not back. You know, you find stuff like that out in a real exercise that you that will surprise you. Well, I think those environments can be so complicated, even relatively small environments with so many different hands ultimately in the pie that somebody may have come back around, some sysadmin who maybe should or shouldn't have realized we're running out of disk space on that particular machine. So let's just change the yeah. <laughs> change the log rotation. It won't hurt yeah. anything. And all of a sudden, the company policy that was <clears throat> to retain for 30 days has suddenly turned into seven and nobody knew because somebody unintentionally yeah. was just trying to make life easier and keep the machine from crashing. That's right. I think it's interesting yeah. too that if I wonder your thoughts on this, if if you're not coming up with these scenarios and testing them, adversaries will help you find ways to test them. Yeah, I mean that's definitely not the preferred, preferred you know uh, method. I will say you know to to yeah, I will say if you can survive, hopefully you know the intact you know a team go through something like this, just like any any sort of majorly um, emotional and tough situation a team can actually come at it on the other side better than they were um i mean they're gonna have some scars um and but but oftentimes it you know not the whole team doesn't come through intact right um uh back to we, we have to have somebody to blame right we whatever you know the, the, you know so um that is you know that is uh something where where you know in a situation like this bonds can be formed you know very strongly they they can also it can also cause you know the opposite to happen where you know you don't ever want to work with that person again or <laughs> those kinds of things but but generally you know what i found in the you know the cybersecurity professionals um most people who choose this they 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 absolutely chose it they didn't just like wind up here um, it was something that inside of them, whether they, they realized it or not, that, that, that drew them in. Mm-hmm. Um, I find it interesting if I, one of the things when I'm talking to, to, to people, you know, often ask them like what they do in their, in their, um, free time, if they're not in, and a lot, of, a lot of times they're like, you know, they're, um, they're volunteer firefighters, right. Or they're, or they're doing something like that where, where, you know, um, and, and I think that's kind of goes to hand in hand with. You know, when, when these things happen, generally you see, I know we started this conversation with seeing some of the, the worst in people, you know, so, but, but generally I think for the most part, the 80, 20 rule, you'll see the best in people. Um, people will rise to the occasion. People will, who maybe, maybe don't get along, will sort of put down their differences and figure, figure out how to work together uh, to solve something. Um, and I think generally, like you, you don't see all we see is the stuff that people are kind of remarking on and kind of being, you know, kind of finger pointing or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. You don't see all the the the, the comments of support. Um, you know that we tend to not to see that stuff, but but I think that generally is there. And there's probably a bigger part of the community that has empathy for and under you know and, and appreciation for and wants to help than there is a part of the community that's just sort of trying to make a name for themselves or, you know, beat up on other people when they're down. You, you mentioned this before a little bit and, and kind of in the heat of the moment, how to take care of your people. And I know it's something that, that you care a lot about. So now I wonder, let's say you're, you're, you're past all of this, you're through it. Um, the team has survived it. Um, they've certainly gone through a, a grueling amount of effort, probably a lot of lost sleep. I, yeah. I wonder <clears throat> at the end of it, how do you take care of your team? Yeah. Well, don't wait till the end. <laughs> like, don't wait till the end because you may not get to the end. 
uh, or they may not get there. Um, I think a couple of things. One is think about the opportunity for them to tell their stories, um, you know, to, to, to the broader organization. Um, because I'll say a couple of things. One, like I've never seen budgets flow so freely or, or the, the heroes, like the hero stories be told, you know, so vigorously than after something like this happens. Right. Mm -hmm. Cause you know, I mean, a lot of times organizations, they don't, they may not know the, 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 the everyday hero in the, in the security organization, the IT organization. But when something like this happens, um, you know, all of a sudden they, they tend to, you know, they tend to, those stories tend to go around, right? And the heroes sort of tend to become everyday heroes, the real heroes. Um, so I would say have the leadership team really help that process. It, I, I think the team's probably, you know, it, it could happen anyway, but if the leadership team is really there to support and help tell those stories, um, it can it can not only help the team to feel valued and that, you know, and, and like they really helped, which, which everybody loves, um, it can help the organization actually understand um, the role of IT and the role of security and what you know some mm -hmm. some of the implications are and why some things are important. So take you know take advantage of it. Um, the other is it's a great time to ask your team, hey, what what could we have done you know better in retrospect? So do some retrospects about what what could we have done, whether it be um, you know process tools or people. Um, and, and how do we make this place a better place? Because there's probably my point about the budgets, there's probably not a better time where sort of the, the, you know, the ear and the checkbook are, are open to those conversations. So don't let that go that, that, cause that'll help your team ultimately, because they'll probably tell you a lot of things that, that could have made either, you know, prevented or, or made mm -hmm. the process of mitigating that better. Um, and so now's, now would be a good time to do that. Um, and, you know, I think, too, just just, uh, you, you know, there's never a good time for taking some downtime. Right. But 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 figure out how to give the team some downtime. Right. Um, they probably need to disappear for a little while. And, you know, they probably need um, that to be planned. So not everybody disappears uh, at the same time. But 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 think about how to do that. Um, yeah. I mean, that would be my. Uh, and invest in them, right? Um, as I said earlier, I think the best thing um, we could do to reduce our risk is to is to train our people. Yeah, preparedness is is a big thing. It, one thing here, you mentioned the the hero stories. It's always so mm -hmm. interesting to me, and I, I, it's not always your most senior person that's the hero story in these events. Is it sometimes it's the analyst that's new to the team that happens to get a sneaking suspicion because they were just in the documentation about an important machine and they're the reason the breakthrough comes in. So I, I think everybody has a part yeah. to play in, in these potentially in, in each of these events and the hero stories too. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, it's, it's um, like I said, the everyday hero, um, you know, that's often, often the difference between one of those little incidents that we're talking about and, and a really big incident. Right. And uh, boy, when that happens, you know, hopefully you love them up. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank you so much, Kevin. I guess here, as we kind of come to a close here, if we were to kind of walk away with the audience and give them a couple of action items or next steps about things they could be thinking about or things they could do next to help, you know, yeah. themselves or their organizations be better prepared, um, you know, heaven forbid that this is, you know, their organization next, be it a, a large or a small incident. 
What can they be doing? How can they be better prepared? Or should they be? I'll give you my list. I love your list. My my list would be one is um, think twice before you go out and, you know, uh, sort of start posting, uh, you know, in an inflammatory or, you know, an an accusatory way without the facts. Um, Because it really doesn't help anybody uh, to include yourself or the organization you're associated with. Um, please understand that I'm not saying that we shouldn't have, you know, really meaningful discourse, um, and, and learning from, from whatever happens we should, right. And we should ask lots of tough questions and, and those retrospectives, all I'm saying is just, you know, understand, um, and have some empathy in professional, you know, be, be a professional, you know, humble professional. Yeah, um, we live in an assumed breached climate, right? So it, it could yeah. absolutely be you next. This could be you tomorrow, right? Um, and the good chance that it could, you know, will be, right? Um, so think about that, number one. Number two, um, exercise and reps. Um, you don't have to have a lot of, you know, advanced stuff to, to, to do this. It can be as simple as um, putting, putting an, a scenario down on, on, a, on a document. Right. And getting the right people into a room and just walking through, you know, hey, this happened. What do we do? Like, who needs to be involved? What are our policies? Um, even simple things like, OK, at what point, you know, at what point does um, does it become, you know, this person's call to that person's call? For example, um, if it's 200 customers. You know, is it the responsibility of head or head of sales to sort of be the you know the, the person who's you know running point on that and sort of making mm-hmm. the decisions? If it's at all customers, does that trigger yet something different to happen? And and I think thinking those through, like like you said, it, it is not good to think that through at the time. So as much as possible, try to tease that stuff out um, in all the scenarios um, in a place where you're proactive, right? You're proactive. Yeah, I think any, any cybersecurity professional at any level that the organization can ask some pointed questions to those along those lines. Like, do we yeah. have an incident response plan? Can mm-hmm. I see it? Hopefully you have one. Yeah. And, <laughs> and if you don't, like, start, like build one, right? Again, there's lots of templates out there. There's lots of best practices. Um, just start. Um, and I think, you know, probably the third thing would, I would say, uh, you know, if, if, you're, if you're, you know, staying prof- you know, humble professional, if you are getting the reps and exercising and being proactive, you know, no matter what role you're in, it doesn't matter if you're a leader, manager, whatever, you know, individual contributor, everybody can step up in this and, and, and provide leadership in that area. I think the third area would be um, either invest in your team if you're if you're the person that, that that has that accountability and responsibility and ability to do that, or if you're a team member. Um, that relies on someone else to make that decision, help them make the case, right? Help them understand how, you know, the, the, you know investing in the team uh, proactively is, is a good thing, right? Um, because, you know, oftentimes those things, those are the things, uh, I, I hate to say it, but, you know, we, we, we sometimes kind of put investing in, in the people down, down the list somewhere. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'd, I'd encourage people to, to sort of twist that around and think about, all right, how do we invest in the people, um, you know, further up that, that stack of things that are really important. Yeah, that's great. I am, I am certain of one thing in all of this, Kevin, is that um, we will continue to learn more as uh, yeah. Intel comes out from this situation with Okta. I, I stand by my earlier comment that I bet 
many, maybe none of those that were pointing fingers early in all of this, the few that there were, could have guessed the facts as they stand today. And I, I anticipate we will continue to see some interesting ones come to light. Even just, yes. I know, when the news broke that it was a largely mm. a collection of, I think the headline read, Teenagers Breach Okta, which again is sensationalizing a little bit candidly to make a good headline. But yeah. Um, Relatively, you know, from what we can see right now, off-the-shelf uh, tools used by this relatively young, motivated group, and I think we'll continue to learn more, um, and and hopefully through the end of it, all be a little humbled by what the reality is of what Okta is going through. Yeah, I hope so. Cybrary, the premier cybersecurity skill development platform, is empowering individuals and teams to secure the future of technology. See why 3 million people have already signed up when you visit www.cybrary.it.